Welcome to the Portion Podcast, a weekly discussion of the Torah portion of the week. I'm your host, Aaron Roller, joined by my co-host, Rabbi Jonathan Bienenfeld. Hello, all. So it's been a, we uh, it's it's been a, a whatever. <laughs> it's been crazy. What's been crazy? I, I don't know. I thought that's what you're driving at. Oh well, I just you know it, it's hard. We we released uh, last week's episode, but um, you know the the the, follow, the the previous evening had been this uh, this terrible shooting in Jersey City, and right. I felt a little bit. Um, you know, I was I was busy. I was getting to work. I didn't want to uh, hook the microphones back up, but it would have been good to have just a little say something, acknowledge it, because uh, you know it really does feel like the uh, Jewish community is is under attack more and more. I, I think even since then, I've there have been uh, you know people punched in on the streets of Brooklyn, and it's just uh, it's a it's a scary time out there. It's scary. It's alarming. I don't know what the if if there's any great message other than other than. Yeah, be on the lookout. I mean, it's 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 just the reality of the times that we live in. It's the reality of, I don't know, I don't know. So much comes back to the the reality of what it means to live in in the exile. And this is something that we've spoken about over the course of the past number of of parshios. That um, it's just uh, it's scary. It's scary. You know, we speak uh, we speak about the idea of you say it in benching uh, that uh, we ask that Hashem bring us komemius laartsenu. You bring us back to uh, back to the land of Israel, Komemius, with our with our, our backs straight, meaning not under not under pressure and not as a function of just trying to flee from from anti semitism. That's the that's the ideal, and uh, it's just it's it's scary when you know the conversation about whether or not we you know belong in uh, in the lands in which we find ourselves is that when, when that's bound up with with actual acts of anti semitism. And we have to we have to learn Torah in, in times in times good and bad. And I, I think it's also important to acknowledge, despite uh, the level of fear and anxiety that people have, and it's very it's very real. The amazing thing is th- is that unlike so many other times in the exile, when it was uh, you know police military who were perpetrating uh, massacres and attacks against the Jewish people, the fact that uh, that the the police of the United States. In, in cities uh, across uh, the country, that that people uh, rush in, uh, people take take a take a stand to defend uh, our community. It's, it's something to appreciate, and um, uh, and more than more than appreciate. I mean, when you when you have the opportunity to uh, to to thank a, a police officer, to thank somebody who works in emergency services, I think it's important to do so. Absolutely, I mentioned that in Troll this past Shabbos. I said, uh, you know, I don't know if it's if it's completely unique, but it is remarkable phenomenon that the 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 sense that we have that law enforcement is here to protect us as much as any other citizens as opposed to for so much of of Jewish history that law enforcement was was effectively leveraged for the purpose of of anti-semitism and and to find that that we're equally protected and that that we are uh, seen as equals in in their eyes and and that was very much the case during this particular event yeah so um moving on to the to the parsha to actual uh Torah learning We've got Parshat Vayeshev this week. I, I feel like this is where it's Breshit is, is full of full of narrative and, and interest, but Vayeshev things get so dramatic and exciting and and interesting. Uh, getting into the story of of Joseph and his brothers, uh, but I think we wanted to talk about the theme or really build on the theme we talked about last week. The idea um, that the last week's Torah portion has leaves us with the image of of Yaakov Avinu, our forefather. Uh, Yaakov, he's limping along. He's defeated an angel. He's struggled with, with man and and angel, and yet, 
you don't walk away un un unscarred, unmarked by that. And th- that idea that, that it's uh, that there's n- and, it, and something it's true on numerous levels in terms of people you know it gets gets into the idea of the attacks that that we we go through life with 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 vulnerabilities obviously and we go through life with imperfections and we go through life with ambiguity and Yaakov in, in many ways uh, embodies that and in this week's parsha i think we see that even more in the next generation with Yaakov and his sons we have the these 12 brothers who ultimately become the tribes of Israel. They are considered to be righteous, you know, in tradition. We don't look at them as, as, as bad people. And yet we see them conspiring to kill, ultimately not, but conspiring to kill their brother and uh, ultimately selling him into to slavery, at least according to uh, most of the commentaries. So, Rabbi Bienefeld, what, what do you, uh, you know, how, how, do you, how do you start to look at this What's the what's the lesson of of Joseph and his brothers here? So I think that it's it's sort of interesting continuation of the same story that we've that we've had. I mean thematically, right? We spent a lot of time speaking about how how Yaakov is the first who's really forced out of his home. He's not the first to have left Israel. Avraham himself leaves Israel soon after having arrived in Israel, but Yaakov needs to do so for a far longer period of time. And he's and he's leaving. He's really leaving behind a support system that was much more that was much more supportive, right? When Avraham leaves his his homeland and attempts to come to Israel, he hasn't really done much to create all that much infrastructure for himself. He doesn't really have the the parental home to rely upon. So he leaves to Mitzrayim. He goes down to Egypt for a little bit. And uh, as trying as that is, maybe in terms of uh, a test of his faith, God, why did you bring me to this land if I'm just going to be leaving now? Yaakov seems much more scared and, and fearful in a way that really anybody before him could have been because he had the comfort of his parents' home and he was thriving in his parents' home to no small degree. And then he has to leave. And now you're seeing sort of version 2.0 of that when it comes to when it comes to Yosef, not that he... Not that he even leaves willingly as a means of trying to escape the 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 challenges and the struggles that he has with his siblings, but he's he's actually thrown out by his siblings, and he again finds himself in a far land, and this time again specifically in Mitzrayim, come sort of comes full circle in that regard. Uh, he's repeating the the same the same uh, voyage that his that his great grandfather made, and it comes with. It comes with um, some more, some some far more striking challenges than Yaakov experiences. Yaakov, on his way out, receives this blessing from God, the assurance from God, this great image of the ladder and the angels. Everything will be okay, and I'll be with you. And Yosef doesn't really even have a chance to like pack his bags or get his act together, move at his own pace, fall asleep anywhere. He's taken up by this caravan. He's schlepped out. He's sold into slavery, and he finds himself in this very oppressive kind of climate, even with all the ups and downs that we can you know, talk about a little bit. But uh, there's no sense that 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 this is where he's supposed to be, that that this really is is what makes sense for him. He doesn't get a chance to receive a blessing from from his father uh, before having left or, or a blessing from God before he leaves. And uh, he doesn't he doesn't at least initially experience the same sort of prosperity that Yaakov seems to enjoy and love in some. When we were talking about about the show uh, earlier, planning planning it out a little bit, 
you know, you brought, you brought up the fact that like Yosef doesn't know that this has a happy ending. And I, I want to, I guess, question that in the sense that he has, he has, he has an inkling though, because he's had these, he has these dreams. He has these dreams of greatness for himself. But the, but the fact is at the moment when they, when they throw him in the pit, when the dreams have, in, the dreams have incited the brothers. I mean, that's the thing that's got him into this mess, at least on the, on the surface. I mean, the, the, it's just so hard to imagine if anybody has siblings, the idea of being betrayed by a, a hopefully it's difficult to imagine. I, I don't know what uh, listeners have gone through with their siblings, but the idea that you're going to be thrown into a, a pit and left to die by, by your own, by your own brothers, your own siblings. It's, it's such a, it's, I, I go from brothers to siblings because I, I have, I only have sisters. Um, but the, uh, but it's, it's really like, it's striking. It's so, it's just, it's, the trauma of it, the 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 depth of of despair and betrayal that he must have felt, were were so intense, and and yet sort of getting back to this idea of his his own, uh, the the faith he has in in himself and the faith he has in Hashem really for for giving him these dreams, um, do you do you think that's like what gets him through it, or, I I, I don't know I don't know what to make of of what a dream is, let's say, as compared to an actual prophecy, right? If you experience a, a, a real a real prophetic vision or, or you have a promise from God, it's I'll put it this way, it's hard to imagine that a dream could be as meaningful as what his father receives directly from God in that dream. Well, right. but Yaakov's, Yaakov's vision is a dream also. It's That's true, but it's, it's a dream not just of this remarkable imagery, but also where there's a clear promise articulated that things will be okay and that I'll be with you. Yeah. And, and it also serves, see, it also serves to answer that which, or, or to respond to exactly, precisely that which Yaakov is concerned about at that moment. Right? Yaakov is leaving Israel for the first time, and he's leaving his parents' home for the first time, and he's frightened and he's scared, and God says, don't worry, I'm going to be with you. As much as you have misgivings, may have misgivings about going out into the exile, I'm going to be with you even there. And Yosef, I, I don't, I don't, it's it's just so much more startling. Think about this also, that Yaakov, he he sort of he knows what he's getting himself into. He understands, he agrees, he submits, maybe to some degree he's he's coerced because he he needs to respond to the advice of his mother. But he knows I, he must have a sense of what's of what's going to happen and how this is all going to end when he steals the bracha from right under the nose of his of his own brother, his brother who's a menacing figure, his brother who he already does not particularly get along with, at least presumably that he's already had to sort of finagle the uh, the birthright away from. He he kind of knows what to expect, I would imagine, and and it is the. See, Yaakov does everything that he can to to wrestle the bracha away from his father and knows that that's that there's going to be a price to pay for that. Yosef is has this coat and has this status that's that's imposed upon him by his father, seemingly without any sense that that's going to lead to trouble. This isn't something that he asked for. It's not something that he's buying into. It's not something that he's trying to manipulate or create on his own. It's just provided, it's just provided to him. And it's much to the ire of his brothers. And he shares these dreams, seemingly thinking that that's going to somehow or another almost 
almost justify the fact that he's been given this coat and that he's his father's favorite. Well, don't you know, I actually am going to be the leader and everybody's going to bow down to me. And you see how it all makes sense. And meanwhile, they're all, you know, looking at him with, uh, you know, with furrowed brows and, and, and believing him to be this terrible upstart. And it, it just, it strikes me that he's being caught unawares in a, a way in which his father really never was. And that, that could be much more challenging in terms of, we all know that there are certain sacrifices that we make for what we believe in, and uh, hopefully we we accept those. If not, if not uh, happily, then willingly. There are certain things that we know that we're going to be giving up. I know that I'm giving up, uh, uh, you know, a, a cheesesteak in the interest of being kosher, and I know that I'm giving up a certain amount of uh, of uh, profitability by not working on. Sh- I mean. I guess I do work on Shabbos, but you know, most people, there are certain things that we know that we're giving up for what we believe in and for what our value system is. And it just, it it seems like as much as Yaakov knows that it, it must catch Yosef a little bit more, um, uh, surprisingly and, uh, and, and unawares. So, I mean, I I guess I kind of want to put, put the picture together that you have this kid who's suffering from, from the trauma of betrayal. I mean, and he really goes from like you say, going from the, the heights of of you know being the apple of his father's eye to the to the depths, and yet he doesn't. Not only does he not lose hope, right? Like he, I mean, we don't know. I don't, I don't know if he lost hope in terms of like what what's going through his mind at at various stages. But like we, I think what's what's kind of what the, I guess maybe the point of the story or the point of of who Yosef is is that he doesn't. We we get the story of of him trying to be seduced by his his uh, boss's wife, and he remains steadfast. It says he has the image of his father in his mind, and he and and he you know does the right thing. He does he doesn't uh, betray his his boss's trust, and and it's something I, I think that's so striking. Like you know in school as a kid, it's like oh yeah he of course he he did the right thing because he's he's uh. He, you know, he's a tzaddik, but like at the moment when it's happening again, to kind of think, think of him going through it, not only is it unknown what he's going to do, but if you think about a big picture, like the idea as, as the, you know, certainly as, as the Medrash tells us that, that he's seeing his father's face, the idea that he continues to be motivated and inspired by the, the values, the 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 covenant, the the all the ideas of, of his father's home, it's kind of it's kind of remarkable. I, I mean, it's, it's it's super remarkable because the other thing that they don't tell you until you're at least a little bit older or you're old enough to study it on your own is the first part of that of that same of that same statement, that same medrash, which Rashi brings, but it's that he 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 saw the face of his father and that's what inspired him and and encouraged him to stay on the path. But that he had come to the home that day, believing that he was believing himself that he was going, he was ready to submit. He is he's hundreds of miles away from from his family. He has he's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, he is he's completely severed from any sort of support system, and there aren't even you know there aren't even expectations. Can imagine that there would have been that there was some almost inherent pressure on Yaakov to be Yaakov because his uncle knows who he's supposed to be. 
Right. That, right. This that is, is this is my oh this is my this is my frummy nephew who's you know the <laughs> rabbi of the family and here he comes and he's going to be extra honest and you know this that and the other thing and there are no expectations in the middle of of uh, downtown Egypt that this uh, that this slave boy is meant to abide by any sort of value system different from whatever people saw around them and. And Yosef is ready to throw in the towel. It's been a very, very long time, and he misses his family. And to be able to find, you know, comfort and uh, and um, um, some solace in the embrace of this of this beautiful woman who has been trying to seduce him, especially when nobody's at home and nobody's in the house. And it's at that moment that he sees the image of his father, and he's able to to appreciate that that as much as it may be even more trying for him, the covenant is still the same. And the mantle that that has been handed to him still needs to be supported and still needs to be preserved, even in this even more challenging and more difficult environment than his father ever ever saw himself and was ever placed in himself. And he's able to do it. And and it continues that way. And then he's thrown in, in, in prison and, you know, he, and he tries to be helpful. And again, it's like he finds everything to some degree, everything that Yosef touches turns to gold, but it's fleeting. So that he's he's taken down, he's thrown into the pit. First, he's the apple of his father's eye, but then it's that that only gets him into trouble. And his brothers throw him in the pit, and they try to uh, either kill him or then ultimately sell him off into slavery. And there's this uh, beautiful description of of all the wonderful smelling aromatic uh, botanicals that the that this particular caravan is taking down with them, so that he sort of has a reprieve and he and he doesn't need to be uh, subject to the foul smelling odors of of the caravans of the day. Uh, but then ultimately he finds himself sold into slavery, but he he gets a really great position. He's sold into this very important home and this very important estate and. And uh, his his master takes a liking to him, but then he has this whole interaction with the master's wife, and he gets thrown in prison. And then the prison warden, the prison guard, takes a liking to him. And again and again and again, he's been through so much. I think that that's that that's part of what we need to make sure we we not lose sight of how remarkable it is that he keeps the faith, how remarkable it is that he keeps his father's the the image of his father in his mind, and how much more likely it would have been to just throw it all away. It's really easy when you're looking at this as a narrative that we can study over the course of a, of a few weeks, just three partios, to say, all right, well, Yosef is a tzaddik and he's righteous, and of course he does the right thing. But to really appreciate the depth of the struggle and the depth of the challenge and what a what a, a remarkable, remarkable person and and Jew and Evet Hashem he, he truly was. And by the time uh, we get to him actually in the throne room, of Pyro next week, he has every reason to just try to finesse and sweet talk his way into into uh, favor with the with the king, and instead it's all you know Baruch Hashem and Hashem and what do I know and it's all Hashem and it's all my my God my you know the God of my of my father and my grandfather and my great grandfather, and he's expressing faith at a time that you'd think it would be an opportunity an opportunity for. For exploitation and and uh, making personal advancement, personal advancement, opportunism. He has this this king who really needs a who really needs a dream interpreted, and he's able even in that moment to to turn everybody's attention back to his God instead of himself. It's just it's it's a really striking series of events if you if you actually try to put yourself in Yosef's shoes. I mean to to sort of bring it back home then. 
to really to what we were talking about in the beginning to 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 this attack and to what our response should be. I mean, Yosef, I don't know more than any anyone else, but certainly exemplifies this idea that we have to remain of steadfastness in all in all circumstances of of you know when the times are good when the times are bad when you're in the pit when you're in the throne room that you have to be be not not just be true to yourself but be true to be true to uh to to the values of uh the, the values of our tradition the values of Hashem and it's uh it it's if if Avraham represents the morning and it's like the afternoon and and Yaakov the night with Yosef we're seeing it we're seeing it all together and we're seeing what it means to be righteous in in that and I think we have to talk a little bit uh, next week about then uh, you know I think we talked about last year also like what why it is that in in our tradition we that Yosef ultimately is not the uh, the ultimate Messiah I mean he'll be the temporary Messiah only to be followed by the descendants of his brother uh, Judah but that maybe will be uh, for next week I'm looking forward to that me, me too have a, have a good week the Portion Podcast is recorded in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, produced by Aaron Roller. Our theme music is The Magid's Niggin by Simply Tzvat. If you enjoyed this show, please tell your friends about it any way you can. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate us and leave a review. And you can follow the show on Facebook. Have a good Shabbos, and remember, there is always more to learn.